0: Welcome back to Lost Impostulation, episode 46, that is XLVI in Roman numerals. You are very welcome back to another fantastic episode, and we're delighted to be back also. It's me, Neil, and I'm joined by the newly crowned king of the lazy holidayers, it's Nicola Volpe. Welcome back. I resent the implication and the accusation, Neil, of being I, uh, a lazy uh, holidayer. <laughs> I am an avid reader of your medium blog, sir, among many others. And I was under the impression that you're a proud, a newly, newly proudly announced lazy holidayer. Is that not the case? Have I a misinterpreted? Bit. No? I
1: I've started to admire the craft of the lazy holidayer, of the holidayer which basically teleports himself or herself from their home location to a place that is a carbon copy of it just with a little more sun and a few more degrees. Um, I'm, I'm inspired by the fact that they can truthfully call themselves, you know, cultured holidayers, travelers, whatever you want. I'm really like, delving into the psychology of these characters has, uh, has really kept me uh, busy.
0: But you don't yet identify as one yourself, right? You're still putting some psychological distance between you and those people.
1: A little bit, but what I found is the convenience of that that lazy holidayers afford themselves now with a kid actually starts to to become a bit more attractive
0: yeah i'm kind of with you to be honest like i have it's been a long long time since i was on a do nothing holiday and the last few times we've come away from travels which have been great and very fulfilling and enlightening but lots of input but you come back being like oh when was when were we supposed to rest during that because we absolutely did not right it was just go go go, but uh, so yeah, I'm I'm considering becoming one myself. You also put a lot of pressure on yourself, and
1: it's not just with holidays where you're like you you feel guilty almost by staying more than two days at the beach, if I recall. And also, you hmm. put pressure on yourself with with a lot of these things, so to the point where you know you're like, ah, I can't read a novel because I don't learn anything from that. I need nonfiction only. You know, you're you're one of these. Yeah. Maybe there's some silent generation vibes to it.
0: We had this discussion earlier on. Uh, like, obviously, the, the the Google Trends search would tell you that Gen Z are probably the most talked about generation, uh, followed quickly by Gen X or Millennials. But uh, actually, there's a lot to be said for the earlier generations than that, the silent generation, the lost generation, the greatest generation. So we were uh, we were looking those up a little bit earlier who, on.
1: Who got lost? I never get that. Is that the
0: ones in between the wars? Uh, I think it's even before that. And it was like due to pure economic hardship and whatever they just were completely forgotten and didn't have a chance to to make it is that the case I would have sounds like ours sure. it, it it may well be what the millennials become sadly the last oh. generation describes uh, american writers and artists who went to live in europe after the first world war interesting there oh
1: hemingway and uh, and the like then.
0: yeah uh, so early adulthood during world war 1 preceding the greatest generation there you go
1: well, there Fun you facts
0: go. on the generations, that's a tier list we'll have to make, ranking the generations once and for all.
1: Yeah. It's very, like, it's such a weird thing that we talk in generations when I think they take up like most intervals in academia of generations when they discuss them take up about tw- a 20 year span. So that would have, you know, that would still consider someone from 1964 a baby boomer, but not someone mm-hmm. from 1965. It's
0: it's a bit it's art, it's very arbitrary yeah and i mean they're speaking in broad strokes where it's like Fair. on average in the whole when you zoom out he, these are the characteristics that we see but i do also find it very fun to generalize because uh mm. at least uh, when you're among your own cohort right we're millennials or at least i would strongly identify as millennial so when i'm with other millennials it's a great conversation starter or booster to be like you know what i noticed about those gen z's and then i was like yeah 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 like people really yeah. uh People really get on board with this topic. So yeah, maybe a bit divisive, but I think it's a a great one. Have the boomers gotten the short end of the stick, you think? I think boomers are unfortunately going through what awaits us all, which is when you just age out of coolness altogether. I mean, it's very hard to be a cool boomer. I'm sorry to say. there are out there, but they're just few and far between. Um, Yeah, so unfortunately, it's like Abe Simpson says in The Simpsons. I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. And now I'm not cool anymore. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. But yeah,
1: well, there you go. Generation talk and listeners of all generations, you're always welcome here on Lost Impostulation. You're always welcome to write into us, lostimpostulation at gmail.com, or reach out to us on the socials. That's at Lost Impostulation in on Instagram, at impostulation in on Neil's favorite platform that he spends four and a half hours a day on. That's X, formerly known as Twitter. Any update on the X front, Neil?
0: I wish. I almost am bored now, or I kind of miss talking about it because it feels like it's just dwindled into obscurity does anybody think about x anymore or am i just being extremely blunt or obtuse here but at least to me x has stopped featuring in my daily thinking
1: well there you go what i see i think with x and i've never been really an active user maybe since i was in high school is that it still gets a ton of like publicity like a lot of bashing on it and i don't know how many users they actually lost in terms of their heavy users. I would Mm, think mm. the ones that were heavy users before, which maybe, you know, um, are not the best people on the internet, Mm. um, (laughs) some might be listening. Anyways, I would think they're still on there. They don't really care.
0: Yeah. And institutions (laughs) have still not deserted it in their droves. I can Mm. tell you that, for example, like the Copenhagen police force used Twitter as their main communication platform, unfortunately. And I refuse to call it X. I'm still going to call it Twitter. But there but are many call out the Copenhagen
1: yeah. police force because i've called them yeah. multiple times with noise
0: complaints over the last year and they are useless yeah for noise complaints yes they are in yes. fact for for bicycle theft they are also useless there's also, certain yeah that seems to be by policy though it's it's not it's not from like trying and failing it's like a weaponized incompetence if you get me where they're just like Nope, not gonna care about that. Sorry. I mean it, stealing bikes in, in Copenhagen is free. It's free. Sorry, it is free, of course. But it's also legal. I mean, it's it's unenforced, completely un, unpoliced. I've I've watched Decriminalized. I, totally. I've watched people steal bikes from outside our apartment here. called the police being <laughs> like, There is a guy actively stealing a bike downstairs in front of me. And they're like, Oh, that's that's annoying. Jeez, that, that's sorry, too bad. To you
1: know, in a city where there are more bikes than people, um and I would imagine in Copenhagen a big chunk of the crime, if they would categorize it that way, would be actually stolen bikes
0: and noise complaints, because not much else happens. I would say that's Pareto principle, 80% of all crime. Uh, and then, do you know what they're doing instead? They're focusing on Christiania right now. You've probably seen that. But for the international listeners, there's a free zone in Copenhagen, not unlike Amsterdam from The Wire, where for decades, Bonnie Donnie Colvin, shout out. Big shout out to Bunny, he's good police. But for decades now, it has been basically a blind eye situation with the sale of marijuana in this area of Copenhagen, among many other things. It's a very weird place. But uh, recently, they've said enough is enough, and now they're handing out fines not only to the sellers, which, I mean, it was already a criminal offence, and now they're enforcing it, but they're also handing out big fines to anybody who finds himself buying any drugs in that area, which apparently is, uh, is the beginning of the end, or the death knell for this area. Who knows where it'll go next? And not sure why exactly I brought this up, other than to say that that's what the police <laughs> are focusing on these days. But it is um, it's a fascinating time. to
1: Natural it. police. What do you think our mentor, David Simon, would think about these initiatives in Christiania?
0: I think he was, between the lines, he was a very strong proponent of Hamsterdam as an mm. idea. Yeah. And I think I am. I think I am too. It, although the show did a good job of portraying the impact on those few left behind, if you remember, there was like an old lady who just never moved out, you know, from mm-hmm. Amsterdam, and she was basically had her life ruined by the, yeah, by the intense drug and, and crime usage. But um, I think still broadly, I'm I'm one of those Portugal approach uh, supporters of just full legalization control support uh yeah providing amnesty providing safe uh, needle access etc but then also like addressing whatever the the root causes of those are which vary i suppose from country to country not a politician don't ask me i don't have a solution <laughs> but uh, we've
1: unlocked political Neil yet again it just i think the second time uh, already in
0: 2024 i was going to save it from my 40s to to turn to politics but maybe i'll just get started now you might as well and uh neil Let's get
1: us started with the postulations. Let's get those juices flowing with a mundane. I've brought one yeah. here for you. So, this weekend, uh, one of my favorite uh, funny men writers, David Sedaris, released an article on the New Yorker. Every time that happens, I make myself a cup of coffee, block off 20 minutes, and I just get ready to belly laugh. Now, the article you would be pleased to know this week was about eating
0: tires wow seems like david's been listening to some of our uh, back catalog
1: you might say you might say you know he didn't copy and paste directly so he didn't take you have a year to eat a door but Mm. he took and i'll quote directly from the article they're walking along a busy highway in montrose colorado when we came upon three 18 wheelers parked in a dusty lot The doors of one were open, and inside were stacks of new-smelling tires. If you had a year, you think you could eat one of those? I asked, pausing to wipe the dirt and sweat off my forehead with a bandana I'd been carrying. If you had to, I mean. To which his friend, then, answers, a tire. Sure, if it didn't kill me first thing I'd do is cut it into 365 pieces, then divide each one of those into pill-sized portions
0: I'd eat throughout the day. What do you think about that, my friend? No, you see, I I understand the logic, and in a way you're trying to minimize the relative harm of each mouthful. I get that, right? But the thing is, you have to also think of your mental health from a day-to-day basis, right? Mm. We are creatures who need breaks. We have weekends for this very reason. Uh and that is why I don't believe I don't subscribe to the three six five division formula. I would okay. rather subscribe at least to like a two thirteen, two fifteen kind of area where we give ourselves the weekends, you know. I think that's that's gonna work a lot better. Maybe two fifty, let's say. So we do every weekday, we do Monday to Friday, we're eating tires, but we give ourselves Saturday and Sunday, just for the digestive system to recover, let alone, you know, our mental health and, and the, the anguish of knowing that what's hanging over you every single day. I think that's uh, that's not sustainable. So I think they were like eighty percent correct. Like yes, it's all about subdividing, about you know, um, chopping the elephant, or you know, like reducing it down to its to its smallest individual steps. But then also building in time, and also days where you can overperform. It's like um, yeah, it's like that guy who was running the length of Africa. I can't remember his name. Uh, where you he was he was doing it on Strava. So I yeah, think yeah, that was uh, quite cool to look at the maps actually. Exactly, but you, what you could see was his plan was really all around, I'll run a marathon a day-ish, but then if he was feeling good, he would do a double, or he would do an ultra, you know, or or what have you, and then give himself the luxury of a day off here and there. So I think that's the approach with the tyre also, that one of those days you're going to wake up and you're just going to feel like, I could eat two tyres today, you know? And that that's when you need to go all in and eat your week's worth on the Monday and just get it done. So,
1: Mr. Sedaris, the legend, still quite a bit of work to do on his... Uh his
0: postulations. See, this is why he's not hosting any postulatory podcasts that I'm aware of. I mean, he does write for The New Yorker, which I don't currently do, but Out of choice. I choose not to, and if they asked me, I would have to think really hard about it. But um, that doesn't mean he never can, and... I would still extend a standing invitation for him to come on and try postulating sometime. I think he'd be more than welcome to give it a go. I think he'd do quite well. But, I think so. Um, yeah. You know, we we we're both experts in our own fields, and that's totally fine.
1: And that's fine. And as a subject matter expert, then what I have to ask you next is: tire over a year or door over a year?
0: Hmm. If I take it purely from a toxic chemicals point of view, I think tire is the worst of those. <laughs> I feel like what the tyre is, let's not forget, is like a bunch of rubber combined with a bunch of very toxic chemicals getting melted down into a mould and then hardened, you know. I feel like um, you're asking for trouble there. If you have a choice between a wood, nature's, uh, nature's bounty is basically just a tree with a few extra steps. I think that's, that's definitely the less harmful of the two. Even a painted door, I would, I would take my chances on rather than a tyre. That's yeah. my quick answer.
1: There, there is an aspect I like about the Sedaris approach, though, which we hadn't thought of. Um, you had narrowed it down to sprinkles of wood shavings, kind of a la Parmesan over your food for a year. Mm-hmm. This pill approach, you know, putting them into little capsules and just swallowing it. That's a great, great idea. Do we yes. allow it,
0: though? Does it break the rules or not? I guess not. I guess not. I mean, I don't love the idea of buying equipment. So, like, buying the capsules and having to, like, sprinkle it into the capsules already feels a bit cheating because then it's like oh why don't you just um, get a tube that w- that goes directly to your stomach and just like liquefy it and put it because it's like you're not doing the eating then you know so the pill I'm already a little bit suspect of but it is still a bit of an, an annoying thing to do to have to just swallow it hmm. yeah I don't know I think it was the eating that was the hard part really isn't it like the digesting it it's going to happen, you know, either way, you're not going to play much of a role in that yourself. So I feel like if you, if you skip the eating part, you're kind of skipping the hard part.
1: And that's the thing. So I asked our friend Chad GPT as usual, is it healthier to eat a door or a car tire over a year? Which Mm. she came out with all these disclaimers, right? Emphasizing that neither is healthy or advisable, Mm. encouraging me to prioritize a balanced and nutritious diet consisting of real food items. So then I followed up and I was like, all right, chat, but hypothetically speaking, what would be better? Yeah. She replied, in a purely hypothetical scenario where you're forced to choose between eating a door and a car tire, it's important to note that both options are extremely dangerous and not suitable for consumption. Got it, got it, got it. However, if we were to consider the hypothetical situation in a somewhat playful manner without any basis in reality eating a small piece of a wooden door might be marginally less harmful than attempting to consume a car tire
0: good glad we agreed finally on that i i would love there should be a button on chat gpt which is like yeah, yeah 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 i get all the all the real stuff yeah. like skip all that just give me the actual answer because this happens all the time with chat and GBTs, she's no fun
1: I. I kept pushing afterwards yeah. i was like all right but then can you propose a, some alternative fun scenarios and it was just like no. uh, eat one color of food a day for a week and uh, eat a different texture of food one day for. A week. and it was just like all right oh man i would About- pay
0: extra I would definitely pay extra if there was an option to just be like, fun ChatGPT, you know, cool uncle ChatGPT who's not going to play by the rules, you know? Right. I, I know we, we don't want it to do anything irresponsible, I get that, but it's just like, you know, we're all adults. We can all make sense of uh, the fun, the humor of this, you know? You'd hope. You'd hope. You'd think. You'd think.
1: And Neil, that's our mundane. That's what we lead off with. We have an icy little treat packed into this episode right after the break. Listeners, welcome back to Lost in for this portion of the episode. We're coming to you live from the Black Hills of South Dakota. Eh, close to Neil, where? North Dakota. <laughs> Indeed, close to North Dakota. We are now looking out at this beautiful view of Mount Rushmore, where Neil, we see four presidents.
0: Who are they? Don't ask me. No, no, no. Oh, come on. I, I, I refuse to be drawn on this. Um, <laughs> I know that George Washington is in there. I see you searching it right and now. You I can't can. Do I'm that. just going to Google it. You know, I'm, I'm going to Google. It. I can tell yeah, it to yeah. you if you want. Yeah, you okay? As someone who was educated in the U.S. at least partly. I I've also you, been to you know Mount Rushmore. Actually, yeah, I certainly haven't. So go on. So uh, George Washington.
1: We have George Washington, the first president of the United States. Next to him, mm. we have uh, Thomas, uh, Tommy Jefferson, one of your favorites, the third president of the United States, not getting great yeah, yeah. press lately. We then we have their honest Abe Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. arguably arguably the goat and then we have you know in fourth place lacking a bit behind we got teddy roosevelt who one Mm. time was neil presidential trivia for you giving a speech in milwaukee wisconsin and um he got shot during the speech right in the chest and then he kept talking for another i think 50 60 minutes or so because he had a big stack of papers there in his jacket mm-hmm. that uh, nice. absorbed the bullet. Apparently, that's pretty
0: badass. Actually, he probably got on
1: Rushmore just for that. Hello, well, you could say so, Neil. That's that's a bit of the tour you're going to be getting here today. Well, while, while we're on Rushmore, um, what we're going to do with it on the episode, though is we are going to use it as a new postulatory device. This isn't a concept we invented, but as usual, we're going to steal with pride.
0: We're going to do it better. Right, Neil? Absolutely. As we always do, taking well-known things and doing them infinitely better, objectively. Objectively, exactly. So
1: we've decided, as a new postulatory device, to adopt Mount Rushmore for mundane things and for pop culture things and to get to various top fours of different things. We may need listeners at any given point to pitch in and provide tiebreakers. So we're going to try our best. Neil, why don't we start things off with one of yours?
0: Absolutely. So in the world of mundanity, there are a few things that capture the imagination of the Zeitgeist more than food, food and drink in particular. And I would like to start us off there in one particular area. And it's an area that I'm almost surprised that we haven't addressed too extensively on the podcast thus far. It came up a bit in the hot dog discussion, but other than that, it hasn't. And I'm talking, of course, about sauces. Ooh, How's your, how's your sauce game? Wow. my
1: I've never been a big sauce guy then again it depends how we define sauces for this Mm -hmm. i have lived like you at one point in belgium where i believe they have the highest variety of sauces in the world like 300 different kinds of mayonnaise i swear
0: holy yeah and just in terms of mayo alone that is probably it's got to be the per capita top in the world for mayo consumption, right? They absolutely love it. It's on everything.
1: Capita, at least. I would, I would go even absolute in terms of mayo.
0: Yeah, 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 potentially. So that's where, that's where my mind took us and where we're going to be starting off. And there's actually quite a long list of sauces, as you can imagine. If you really get into it, you're talking hundreds, potentially. So what I tried to do here is narrow it down to a short list of a few, and then I'll tell you what my Rushmore is. Is that a good format for us?
1: Yeah, that's a good format. And then we we need to come to a unified theory, right? And yeah. one quick clarifying question. When we're talking sauces, are we talking more condiment sauces or are we talking also pasta sauces and the like? More condiment, like pre
0: things that you can buy in a tub, jar, whatever, you know, okay. Bottle. Not like um, Nanda's best... Uh, you know al fresco carbonara, like no that's uh or your bolognese
1: uh, which you make at home my
0: friend well that's obviously the best one so you know other people haven't eaten that so it needs to be accessible to the masses here so we're talking (laughs) we're talking flavors of sauces not brands of sauces either we're not going like oh heinz ketchup or whatever it's like ketchup as a concept you know that's where that's where i'm going so is it condiments is that the word i don't know but in any case i'm calling it sauces so let's uh let's get into it so i'm gonna give you the list here i'm gonna give you the list and then uh we'll we'll loop back and and talk through them. So, I'm going to do them in random order so that you don't get a sense of where my head is at. So mm. we have barbecue sauce. We have mm. sweet chili sauce. Chipotle. Mm. Chipotle mayo, that's called. Soy sauce. Sriracha. Very spicy sauce. Mm. Tabasco. Ranch, mm. which is more of a dressing, but let's let's stay with it. Hollandaise, pesto, ketchup mayonnaise and hoisin and i have one bonus one if we need it and it's arguably not a sauce is guacamole a sauce i guess not Ooh, no. uh, i feel like it's not well it's because a, if you throw
1: in uh, guacamole you're gonna to need to throw in salsa
0: as well i don't want it it's already too long okay let's see let's see how how well we do without it and if we feel like it's completely missing from from the actual top four did you have mustard in there no, actually, that's okay. on mustard just in case. Yeah, mustard has to be I, in the long I, list. It's in the long list for sure. It's not in my short list, I can tell you. So that mm-hmm. was the overview. I don't think I missed any. Yeah, all good. These are just the ones I came up with, right? So if, and probably already there's a listener who's just like, whoa, oh my God, you forgot. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Sorry Shrimp cocktail sauce. Yeah, brown sauce or whatever. Sorry. <laughs> but we're, any of those that you feel like, oh, we totally missed. Was it really going to get onto the wall? Was it actually going to be one of the Rushmore's? If not, then, you know, let's, let's just chill.
1: Well, this is actually, this is quite tricky. Um, okay, but lead,
0: lead with what your Rushmore would yeah. be. And then we, so end. I can tell you my George Washington here, like the one who gets in always, no matter what is ketchup. Let's be real. Mm, so for to. all of like ketchup, it's just so great. And, uh, an important part of all of our lives, at least, at least well. in the Western world. Yeah. <laughs> I love ketchup. I, I have never, uh, I've never met a ketchup I didn't like. I think it's always welcome. I would uh, fries or chicken nuggets or or, or a burger is just not the same without it. I think ketchup is the way to go. And we like
1: and probably we can call it Heinz ketchup in this case.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you are joking. I mean, in yeah. Ireland, there is this thing called chef ketchup which is horrible right it's like way too vinegary it's like a whole different taste profile don't like it right. but anyway ketchup is in and then i think mayo is in as well mayonnaise has to be in uh, yeah in in my rush morning. more polarizing than you would think yeah and maybe yeah i might be a bit partial here but i think mayonnaise is just so different to ketchup that the two of them Form a lovely bond, I know a lot of people who just mix them one to one if they want mm-hmm. to make an interesting sauce, you know, but um mayo is great for sandwiches, but it's also great for like mixing with tuna, for example, for a nice little tuna salad like it's uh it's a banger so and, and for fries, as we know from Belgium and our our friends from Belgium, it's amazing so let's i would I would put mayo in as well now here's where I get a little bit controversial, and it, I don't know if we're gonna reach a consensus here because I'm way out out there on this one. My third is barbecue sauce. <sighs> we're, we're very, at the
1: moment, we're very hot dog, burger, fries, sauces, all three of them. Yeah,
0: those. yeah, yeah. But I, I'm putting them there out of love, actually, because I'm, I'm comparing them one-to-one with pesto or holidays or hoisin. I'm really mm. trying to hold them one-to-one and think, okay, if there was only one of them left in my life, mm. you know, if they had to have one deleted, would it be barbecue or would it be any of the others and it would be any of the others like barbecue sauce is special i know ketchup is one of the ingredients of barbecue sauce as well but there's no replacing barbecue sauce when that's what you want and when you do add barbecue sauce to certain things especially meat it is just a triumph you're a big fan of the barbecue sauce i don't know i've okay keep going go
1: with the so barbecue sauce is your abe lincoln that's a big shout so
0: who is your teddy (laughs) So my teddy is also, uh, we know that this is supposed to be one who's, who's always like a bit surprised to be there themselves. And I would, <laughs> I, I would say in this case, it's my sweet chili. Sweet chili. Um, sweet, I, here hmm. I'm capturing the, the Eastern influence as well. You know, I'm, I'm giving a nod to the Asian contingent where I'm saying sweet chili sauce makes it in. Um, but not sweet and, and I think
1: sour sauce, right? Sweet
0: chili. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. Because is there a difference? yeah i guess there is yeah Spicy. sweet and sour sauce is sweeter right so sweet yeah. chili has a little kick but not much right and sweet chili sauce is phenomenal also when mixed with mayonnaise so you can really you can see that my rushmore likes it it likes to kind of cross-pollinate a little bit here but yeah. um i wow. think sweet chili and this is my personal rushmore here this is like uh if i could only have four sauces for the rest of my life this actually covers the whole wow rabbit. wow wow
1: okay I mean, respect, respect on the work that you've done. I'm going to throw a bunch of stuff at the wall here and see okay. if, if I can create any stir. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dijon mustard. Mm-hmm. Shriracha, are we really going to write that off? Soy sauce, teriyaki sauce. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Then, you know, a niche one. Well, Tabasco also, if we're going to talk hot sauces. Uh-huh. I'm going to throw in a couple dark horses as well, but maybe
0: those are out like guacamole was, tzatziki and hummus? Yeah, hummus I kind of buy, but if I would put hummus and guacamole in whatever category that is, you know, of just like Okay, that's the dip category, so let's exclude those. Agreed. That's a different, a whole different mountain face, yeah. Okay. And I already hear the ones you've thrown in, right? Mm. Always think, put it through the lens of who's passionate about it, you know? Who, who, when they hear soy sauce... Yeah. Four billion it, people. Mm, passionate though. Like, because to me, <laughs> soy sauce is a commodity sauce. It's like, you got to have your soy sauce just to, you know, get the bit mm. of flavor in there. Mm. But nobody's like, do you know what I love? Do you know what I can't get enough of? Soy sauce. Like, nobody says that. Wow. Wow. Um,
1: I've got one for you here. Buffalo okay. sauce for your mm. wings, as, as opposed to barbecue sauce, I think has much more of a cult follow.
0: It, it does. To an extent. But wings to me, you coat them in the buffalo sauce and then you anyway dip them in the blue cheese sauce, no? Right. Or Or, ranch. Yeah. Or ranch. Or ranch. Right. So to me that says that the buffalo on its own is not good. And anyway is isn't that it's too spicy? So you use the uh, ranch to kinda water down the spice. But isn't buffalo sauce the one that everyone uses? It's Frank's hot sauce plus a load of butter plus a bit of ketchup and some vinegar, right? I think that's the Mm. recipe off the top of my head. So then I'm like, well, it's just inspired by these previous ones. And I know I acknowledge that with the barbecue sauce, which is also just ketchup plus some other stuff. But uh, still, my point remains. I think buffalo is is too much a, a derivative of other sauces.
1: I don't think, I cannot let you get away without shirracha in this. We need to make room for yeah. sriracha somewhere. I think iconic in terms of taste, but also good. Uh,
0: brand yeah yeah okay i'm willing to i'm willing to find a space for it by taking out either sweet chili or barbecue
1: taking out sweet chili so we have we would have ketchup and mayo which are very difficult to take out of this Mm -hmm. right
0: Mm -hmm. Right, um
1: sweet i think we can take out sweet chili for sriracha okay
0: Okay. sriracha or
1: teddy but like a strong teddy more of an fdr actually than a teddy if you will
0: okay have they built
1: mount rushmore a bit later
0: so now okay yeah i have i now have a reflection which is it seems odd that mustard isn't on the top four and barbecue is but i would still apply the same logic as the soy sauce where it's like who really is that into mustard you know
1: i mean that was my question like yeah mustard is always an option but does anybody care about mustard I don't think so. Maybe honey mustard has like a niche following but like French's yellow mustard or even Dijon grey poupon or or whatever yeah, even, like even the
0: fancy stuff. Yeah. Do people do people love that and
1: does it have as broad of a use, right? The use case so. for like mm. a nice mustard is like maybe with a nice steak but it's not like mm. I'm going to take a bunch of fries and dip them all in there, right? Whereas even a sriracha That is a
0: very versatile cooking tool. Exactly. It reminds me of when I get a hot dog in Copenhagen and I ask for ketchup and mustard, right? Mm. I ask them just, go nuts. If they forgot the mustard, I'd be like, ah, okay, oh oh, well, no no big deal. If they forgot the ketchup, I'd be like, are you kidding me? This is inedible. What have they done, you know? That That tells you a lot, I think. That does. The, The mustard is a nice to have, nice to not have. It's like, whatever.
1: Are we maybe leaving out sweet condiment sauces here like what like maple
0: syrup canadian canada's Ooh, finest oh yeah maple is good i do like a bit of maple it's a bit pricey is the thing i don't it's not in my it's not in my like but routine <laughs> that doesn't mean it can't go on rushmore because it's pricey it's because really, I, I don't like it as much you know it's like right. um if ketchup, if ketchup was a 100 euro bottle i also would be like uh, <laughs> right, it's, it's not it's not great value and okay it's not 100 euro bottle for maple syrup but it I is like not. imported from canada and it's uh <laughs> pricey stuff where i see it um i mean i don't I, know
1: maybe that's maybe that's a different category maybe here let's call this one more savory Condiment
0: yeah, sauces. Maple syrup, I would call a topping more so, maybe, because yeah. it's like a dessert topping. A know?
1: dessert top, and probably one of the goats of dessert toppings. Um, yeah. I don't know if we can get away, honestly, with leaving. How can we get away with leaving soy sauce out? How are they
0: not going to come for us? Okay, so the emotional aspect is one where I think, yeah, I think they will come for us, to be fair. They will say, How many dishes would we have to delete from the world because there's no soy sauce? That's a fair point. Right? Yeah. I just would be so sad to lose barbecue. Like, to me, that would be a significant downgrade in quality of life.
1: Do we have enough? If we look at our our Rushmore, right, Mm. those precedents, we have a broad spectrum of eras, of ideas of mm, thoughts, mm. of achievements. Are we not overlapping too much with ketchup and barbecue?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, that's what I'm thinking as well. Yeah. It's like having uh, George Bush and George W. on the same Rushmore, you know?
1: Right. Right. Father and son, 41 and
0: 43. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would, on, on that basis alone. Yeah. I suppose I can go and make barbecue if I take ketchup and add, is it molasses or what is it that makes barbecue sauce? I can't remember, but... It's a great question. Yeah. Uh, I think it's molasses, but... Is as that as I am think so. Um, so you just add molasses to your ketchup and you get... And sh- a lot of sugar as well, yeah. Okay, yeah. It's So it's uh, brown sugar, ketchup, vinegar, water, and worcester sauce.
1: Oh, worcester but, sauce uh, is... Worcester sauce, worcester yeah. also... Mispronounced yeah, yeah. as is actually—that's yeah. what goes in your
0: Bloody Marys, Neil. Exactly that that uh, that smoke, right? Yeah. Or Tabasco can also go in a Bloody Mary, according Ooh, to. The and ladies. we're leaving
1: Tabasco out of this. And I'm even a fan of
0: the the niche green Tabasco as opposed to the mm. red. Ooh, the habanero. I'm not a fan of either, to be honest. I'm a fan of a of a Bloody Mary once in a blue moon for a brunch, but that's about it. Hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm willing to let go of barbecue sauce, because when I look at the ingredients, I'm like, okay, ketchup is a, a really important part, and we can't be having ketchup out of barbecue sauce.
1: So what, what we can also do here is make it interactive, as we like to do, and mm. if we are sure about the other three, to throw
0: out a playoff for the fourth seat yeah. to the listeners. Exactly. If we're doing that and if soy sauce is in there, can I just please ask the listeners, think not just about logic here, but emotions. Who is emotional about soy sauce? Who takes a spoonful of soy sauce and does hmm soy sauce? Nobody. It's it's a necessary ingredient, it has dryness, it has whatever. But I don't think people love it on its own. So let's leave it up to the listeners. So
1: into that playoff poll, we throw in soy sauce, we throw in barbecue sauce. Should we, for political reasons, throw in mustard as
0: well? I guess so. And I would be I'm willing to be surprised on this because I would have thought most people would go, mm it's fine. A life without mustard, yes, that's that's a life I can live, you know? But if there's some crazy listeners out there who disagree, then I, I want to hear from them.
1: And as a fourth to round out that poll, we could put in teriyaki sauce, we could put in Worcester, Worcester sauce. Um, mm. we could put in satay sauce, which we haven't even discussed.
0: Mm. That's like the peanut one, is it? Yeah, they love that in the Netherlands. Do they? Yeah. Mm.
1: Kip satay, chicken with the satay sauce. I mean, they didn't invent it. They got it when they were in Indonesia or whatnot, but yeah. I think if we're going global, we
0: are a global podcast at the end of the day. So I feel like this, this uh, Rushmore should be as global as possible. It shouldn't be limited to regional specialties or regional favorites right
1: right right but still let's you can throw it in we need four all right right, let's throw it in so we know for sure up on that mountain we're gonna have ketchup we're gonna have mayonnaise we're gonna have sriracha solidified on the mountain yeah and we need you listeners to help us choose the final one we're gonna throw out that poll on the socials and uh we need
0: you I would also love to see an AI generated image of a Mount Rushmore where the presidents are replaced with these four sauces. I think that would be a great image. That would just great. I think we can we can try and make that in the meantime. But yeah, my great qua- stuff. my
1: final question, Neil, on this mm. Rushmore, our Mount Sauce, where would we want it to be located? That is a very good question. It can be anywhere, right? It can be anywhere you wish in the world, wherever you find most appropriate. I mean, just so you know, Mount Rushmore itself had two and a half million visitors in 2022. So you need to put it somewhere where you know you're going to get that tourism money back.
0: Mm, but this, yeah, this could be the thing that brings people to the area, right? Also, I think I think where we go is we go to Salzburg, Salzburg, um, because, Mozart's town. Yeah. Okay, and the reason we we do it is because, you know, the sound of music really helped to bring Salzburg uh, into the public consciousness. But I think they've so kind of dwindled in another
1: reason. piece of history. But
0: yeah, yeah, a few th- Mainly, it was the sound of music. And, uh, <laughs> the issue I find now is that it's kind of dwindling in relevance, Salzburg. You know, you don't re- nobody talks about Salzburg much anymore. Okay, and I I propose for them that they rebrand their their next campaign is Salzburg, where they oh. are the world capital of sauces where you can come and see Mount Saucemore for yourself in Salzburg, Salzburg. I love it. Um, and it's a mountainous it's region, so it makes sense. Yeah, I, thought, I, was, I was also thinking, where are we going to find a free mountain that we can just car- carve these bottles into? I think that's the one. Wow, that is um, beautiful. Why not? Salzburg
1: 2024, listeners, we're just waiting on you to choose the fourth. All right, Neil. Now, I have one for you a mundane rushmore here as well and i actually chose one where i knew you were a subject matter expert that you could help me and wow, Neil, no pressure this isn't the pop culture one so it's not music okay but we're gonna cross into pop culture a little bit
0: okay. the mount rushmore
1: of board games
0: oh, oh, oh dear this is a, this could be very divisive because if it's about good board games or is it about impactful boy games? That's well, my first question. it was
1: the same thing with the sauces, you know, you could say.
0: I suppose, yeah, I And mean, we didn't, we didn't answer that either.
1: No, but striking the balance, I guess we have to strike the balance between impact, legacy, quality, and whatever you want, volume. So Neil, I have some games here and I'm going to list them out to you. And there is probably early on a debate to be had about what is a board game as well, because some of these you could, which one of them is potentially the goat, uh, Mm -hmm. you might be able to discard with the right argument. But Neil, here we go. In terms of greatest board games in our long list, chess, go, Settlers of Catan, Monopoly, Scrabble, Risk, Carcassonne, Ticket to Ride, which actually I see in the background of, uh, of the studio it's here. right over here. Yeah, yeah it's sitting there. Pandemic. Mm-hmm. Dominion. And here on this list as well, there is Uno. There is a Connect Four. Not much of a board there. Mm-hmm. There is a Battleship. I was waiting for that, yeah. There is Clue. And, of course, I'm going to throw in a Trivial Pursuit hmm okay very good question it's a tough one so, no. isn't it
0: i think i'm gonna do like a little mix of popularity mm-hmm. uh enjoyableness and like cultural impact which is a bit linked to popularity right something along those lines and i have i have a yeah, some direction but i think you probably had a, a proposed rushmore of these did you yeah a little bit so
1: if we are including it chess is my george washington yeah
0: it's the fair. og right yeah, also for staying power, you know, for yeah. like still, still pretty popular. today. Exactly. Oh, are,
1: are the new generations taking it up?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. because streaming has been a real boom, I think, to chess, where right. the likes of Magnus Carlsen could just sit on Twitch or on a streaming platform and play online chess and be a really fun and entertaining guy while he does it. But that also does attract people to it, and YouTube and things like that. So I think it, it had a real second wind in the past, like twenty years or so.
1: My Jefferson would be risk.
0: Yeah. We were we were a non risk family actually when I grew up, so I'm actually underexposed to risk. I understand the mm. rules and stuff, but I just have never really seen the the joy of it. You were but a okay.
1: non-risk family in terms of uh, didn't like the world conquest aspect of it or didn't like the tanks or
0: I I wish I knew. I think my my parents would probably say it was too complicated. As That's in true. Around, whenever we were getting board games uh, we would have gotten the, the classics, you know, without update et cetera. And race, it's just like, when you read the box or you read the rules, you're like, oh. And it was, it was
1: endless. It always resulted yeah. in fights and somebody yeah. stepping down in the middle of the night to move the pieces and cheat.
0: Not acceptable. Not acceptable. <laughs> Board game cheating is actually a topic we can bring another time because it's something that really triggers me. But, uh... <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> That's a whole other, that's a whole other debate, I think. (laughs) So we have chess, we have risk on
1: mine, we're gonna throw in, it's already difficult, gonna have to throw in Monopoly in terms Mm -hmm. of of the reach, in terms of the success and the legacy. And then on the last one, I mean, my heart goes to Trivial Pursuit, but I'm very aware that that's you could discount that as not so much a board game and more just a trivia game that you can actually just play with the cards. Um, so then I'm actually going to put on there, and I know you know I've gone very traditional with my Rushmore, and you're going to come in here with, with some ideas, but my my teddy is Scrabble. It's got to be mm. a board game.
0: Interesting.
1: And not so much because the old-school version gets played a lot now. I don't think it does, but it's been basically mm. translated into all these... Yeah. Phone and app games, right? Where uh, my wife plays it a lot. I t- I don't know words with friends or word feud yeah, or something, right? You yeah,
0: know? yeah. I think uh, Scrabble is a good but flawed board game if you if you if mm. apply just the same criteria as any other board game, to it. because it is a strategy game. But the strategy of it is uh, the way you score by it is is often with words that are extremely obscure that happen to score in multiple directions. So a word like um or like off or like, like a word that is never used in the English language but sits in the dictionary right. and is is short and can work at a junction of two will score a lot more than the word like complicated, for example. Because complicated would just be full of M's and V's and L's and O's right. and like things that don't score super high. And that to me is where it falls down because you can play you can know that and play against someone who's enjoying the game and like puts a seven letter, eight letter word they're like, Hey, look what I did. I did the word assassinate, you know? Right. I got 10 points, bro. And now I can, I can put the word, like, uh, oof, like OOF. And then because it works up and down, left and right, because it goes of and if and all yeah. these things, I'll get, like, double. I'll get 20 points. you got to now. play the and, board. Yeah, but then that, to me, is when everyone's having a crap plan. Because the person who they just did something amazing is actually being told, no, that wasn't good. And what you should be doing is, like, playing really obscure words that have to be looked up from the dictionary. That's how you score big. So I think, uh, as you wow. can hear, I like Scrabble. I like the concept <laughs> of Scrabble. But the scoring method is not good because it rewards people memorizing obscure words that are short and easy to play. So yeah, that's my issue with Scrabble. Someone's but I do like to play Scrabble. I played it um, when we were on holiday in Bali. Actually, the hotel we were in had it lying around okay. in the uh, in the little restaurant bar area. Do you help me out Yeah, it's uh, it's fine. It's just not my. It's not on my Rushmore.
1: It's not point. on your Rushmore. Okay, so take my Rushmore and challenge it.
0: So chess, I'm with you hundred percent. It's got to be, right? To that's, that's, that's by far the the easiest. I'm surprised that you didn't have Go in there, actually. And I know we're not raised on Go, mm. but I have watched enough uh, YouTube documentaries about it and I've seen it. It came up in Miles Out, the first Miles Out, for example. It is, and it remains one of the best designed games ever. It's just because it has such a diverse range of strategies and outcomes and depth to it. Uh, and again, if we're talking about well-designed games or staying power games, you have to you have to give it to Go because it, it's one of the it's the oldest board game ever. I think. It's older Would you than consider it ending. a much more complex, uh, checkers? Way more, way more. Checkers is a, is a solved game. I think it's like there's there's one strategy in checkers that if you follow, you always win. Correct? Right. A bit, it's it's like X's and O's, but just or, or what do you call it, uh, and crosses. Yeah. Tic Tac Toe. It's uh it's just that on a slightly larger scale. It's fun, but it's like uh yeah, it's it's not too engaging once you've played it enough times, I think. So I wouldn't want to be checkers or drafts, but I would put Go probably and also for the global, I don't go as women mm-hmm. popular in Asia, so that could be yeah. a shout out to And them. we also
1: didn't mention when we're talking about those, let's say, traditional pre commercialized board games, backgammon. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Which is weirdly popular. I've tried yeah. playing Backgammon a few times and maybe I didn't get it or something, but the few times I've played it, I've just been like, okay, I've played a full game now and I still don't really see why I should be having fun here. Like, right. you know, mo- moving stuff clockwise or as clockwise around the board. I was like, is this fun? Are, am I supposed to like this? Like, it, it just didn't, <laughs> uh, I don't know, uh, it didn't connect with me. Maybe too abstract or something. Yeah. I like a good team. I like a really nice team at the board games. Yeah. So then, speaking of team, I have to give it to Monopoly. Now, I've been vocal enough, I think, at least on the record, a few times on this podcast and off the record many times, that Monopoly is not a good board game. In fact, it's a very bad board game, and and it commits some of the cardinal sins of board gaming. And uh, I don't know how much time we have to get into it, but long story short, it's terribly desiring, but it takes forever. It uh, is a kingmaker game, which means that usually only one person is having fun, while the others fail to catch up because there's no catch-up mechanic built into the game. Uh, It's a capitalist game, right? Yeah, it was designed originally, and now I don't know how true this is, this is like interesting like urban legend, but it was apparently designed as a teaching tool to illustrate the evils of capitalism, or at least like okay. the, the downsides of rampant capitalism. Mm. And uh, people all completely missed the point and were like, this is a fun game, and I like to own property. Maybe it's also <laughs> a, bit, a bit like the American dream for a lot of people that it was like their first and only experience of owning property. These days, I mean, millennials playing the game now, and Gen Zs, they get to... Uh, See from settles what it's like to element uh, has. house. But uh and everyone all took slight... out
1: subprime mortgages and everything crashed.
0: Yeah, exactly. You you can really learn a lot from that. Yeah. But I think uh, I think it's just a bad game. And there's even really good games that are like they take the monopoly idea and make it way better. Shout out to Brass Birmingham, I can really recommend. That is okay, it's a bit complex, but if you want an actual capitalism simulator that's good and well designed, uh, that's there's your option. A brass but I will give it perhaps Birmingham. I can, we can play it sometime. I am a huge fan of it. But let's put Monopoly anyway because when you say board game to anybody, the first one they mention is probably Monopoly, to be fair. That's the thing, right? Mm. And then that's that's three already. From my side, I have Chess, go, and Monopoly, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. You did not accept Risk. You don't know it,
0: so. It's so popular. I get the, the logic, but I just am personally attached to it. You know what I mean? Right, right. I wonder if there's a room for a modern classic here, and I'm debating whether to throw this one out. There's a game called Cranium. I don't know if you um, played that one, did you? Cranium? Cranium.
1: It's not the one where you operate on the person. That's a- No, that's Operation. Operation, yeah. But
0: Cranium, I think, had a huge, huge boom in like, the late... Or early 2000s early
1: maybe. 2000s yeah with the big brain yeah. on the box yeah, I yeah know. That. and
0: it, it had it was like a good version of no offense a good version of Trivial Pursuit because uh Trivial Pursuit is a quiz basically so that's that's where the the design ends whereas Cranium is a bit more around like team collaboration on different tasks where mm. some of them are humming a song some of them is making something out of clay some of them is quiz questions but like it's just a better kind of experience for everybody than Trivial Pursuit I would say but uh, I don't know if it's still that popular. I think it kind of came and went. I haven't seen didn't... it in at least 15 years, to be honest with you. Okay, fair, fair. Then I would then I would argue, if we're going to put one modern classic in, the one that everyone's gateway game seems to be is either Ticket to Ride or Pandemic. Those are the, those are the two that like have been hooking people in for a while. I didn't think COVID Pandemic
1: was. was... I played Pandemic various mm. times. Mm. I, I could see it being fun, like once at one board game night or dinner party but not yeah. like hey let's all play pandemic this entire vacation
0: it's unbelievably popular but i know what you mean like uh the base game in particular you would play it i i own it and i've played it maybe 10 times and i'll never play it again probably right because i've just seen everything there is to see and there's only there's only so much you can do with it but then they released a lot of expansions for it and i know that if if you're really into the concept of of like cooperative board game with those those expansions are good right but I do think Ticket to Ride is one where you find a lot of passion out there in the world where people who aren't even board gamers really or you know wouldn't identify themselves as like avid board gamers when someone mentions let's play Ticket to Ride they're like yes I love that Mm. game and maybe they love it because they get to play with little trains I mean that's already a fun aspect of it you know yeah very simply but I think it's also cool because it's relatively uh, friendly as board games go there's yeah. a little bit of screwing each other where you try and block the other person or whatever, but really you're you're kind of like focusing in on your task, you're trying to complete your routes. uh you're yeah playing little trains, and then there's there's a nice little loop of you know collecting sh- loads of cards, but then the satisfaction of finally getting to play them and wowing everybody with a selling car um play you know it's it's a fun game have you played uh, Take a ticket to
1: yeah i have i have i mean I like anything that puts a map of the world in front of me i always find that there. fun as a big geography nerd so i could see that you often talk to me about this game which is actually quite fun but i don't know if it's a board game which is mafia or
0: secret nazi i think is the other version secret of it. Hitter, secret hitler secret hitler yeah there, that is a great example of social deduction games as a genre mm. which i think have their own kind of special place like charades and stuff right yeah, a bit like if Charades is a game where you need to um, help someone know something, like I help someone to find something out, a social deduction game is like the opposite, where you're trying to obfuscate or, or prevent people from finding something out through your actions and words. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. So if you are in secret Hitler, if you are in fact a fascist or if you're Hitler, you're trying to convince people that you're not through the course of the game. And that's quite fun for, I'd say, 80% of people, maybe less, maybe 75 But then, unfortunately, in my experience, there's about 20% of people who absolutely hate these games, who are triggered by them, whose anxiety spikes, who can't lie or hate lying and, you know, don't (laughs) want, just just don't want to engage with this task, you know. And that, unfortunately, can be a real buzzkill because if you're a group of, say, 10 people or eight people and one person hates this game forever and just, like, absolutely shuts down if it's mentioned, uh, then it's no fun for anybody. So, Mm. one of the biggest issues i found is is you really need to find a group who all want to play it and like it, because if even one person isn't into it or, or like, doesn't like it, it, it's pointless. Like, don't bother. Yeah. Yeah. And then we haven't mentioned Battleship or Catan. I would actually give it to Battleship, not to to jump the the gun too much, Mm. but Battleship is a somewhat well-designed game from a strategic point of view. Like, is there strategy involved? Not really. Is there much more to it than randomly guessing? Not really, beyond like a few things. But I do think that it at least has enough going on that you can, like, can you truly be good at Battleship? Or is it like being good at Rock, Paper, Scissors? You know, right? Yeah, that's, that's my only worry about it. But it is still very popular. There is like some smartness to it because there's only one boat that's two bricks wide and then there's one that's five and then there's a few that's three. So like, if you're keeping track of the boats that you've sank, you're like, okay, there can't be a two- there can't be a five boat anymore because there's no squares on the board left where there's five in a row. You know, so you can like play a little bit of strategy there. But is any serious board game person going to say their favorite game is publishing? Definitely not.
1: Yeah, that's fair. So I guess we're in a situation now where we know chess is going to be on there. Yeah. You threw in Go and I don't have an argument against it. Mm-hmm. I think chess and Go have
0: their like special... Crown, you know, right in the board game
1: world, exactly. Yeah. So now we need to try to align on these other two, potentially only on one, and then throw in a playoff for the listener on the last
0: one. I think Monopoly is in, unfortunately, Monopoly, yeah. to, to my own dissatisfaction. I think it is in just because of its global.
1: It's got to be right. I mean, the reach, yeah. the versions, the continued. I mean, it's on any board game shelf. Like that's yeah. kind of the one people might not even have chess a chess set in their house, but Chances are they might have some version yeah. of Apple,
0: and at least when I was growing up, Blue or Cluedo, as it was called, in Clue York, was huge, um, quite big as well. Kind of a fun game, not terribly designed, and like a bit of uh, logic involved, which is cool.
1: So we could throw in for that fourth one, we could throw in a playoff where we have Clue, mm. where we have a yeah. modern classic like Ticket to Ride. Mm-hmm. Um, we could throw in there Risk for mine, and yeah, then fine. Fine.
0: as a fourth. Hmm. Tricky. Because they, like in my mind now are all the good actual board games that are, you know, modern, really modern board games that are really good. But I know that's not the point here because we're trying to talk about in the history of the world, you know, it's, it's kind of a historical exercise. The so maybe we, we put, as you said, Risk, we put Battleships, we put... What was the other ones? I've already forgotten. Risk Battleship.
1: Risk uh, Battleship...
0: Uh, Ticket to Ride, and Cluedo, really. and Clu. Yeah, yeah. I think that that we'll find a good answer
1: there. All right, sure. let's do that. Well, and this Rushmore. Let's think. Where could we have it? Board games, board games, board games. Again, you always got to find a mountainous region, so that part is yeah. is easy. Mm. But I would say because we have chess and and go there, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Go is very much its its origins are Asian right uh, mm-hmm. ancient Chinese, I believe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what are the origins of chess? Is it an English game No Indian are they Indian okay, well, this makes it so. very interesting because if chess is yeah, seventh century yeah. India, there you have it.
0: So how about we put this in Nepal? I thought I that's thought where we might go. Let's put it at Everest Base Camp. Or, no, uh, I think that's, that's too, <laughs> too, too ambitious. Um, well, I would at spoken, Base Camp, um, like you could. Yeah, but I would like it to be visible from Everest Base Ah, uh, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you look up and you see, oh my God, it's yeah, chess more, or uh, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, we could put it on K2 itself. Um, and Then you could also see it from Everest.
0: Yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah. 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 Uh, Well, I think we have it. There we have it. When the clouds aren't
1: too low. Well, Neil, that was our first Rushmore segment. Listeners, we hope you enjoyed. We're going to need your support on that with those mundane ones. And we'll come back right after the break with one final snippet. (music) Listeners, welcome back, Neil. End of the show here. I'm dubbing it Movie Corner today, Film Corner. We've got your favorite awards the the shortlists for them for the Oscars announced lately. Um I don't want to get too much into the Oscars, but a bit linked to that, I finally came around to seeing Barbie over uh-huh. the winter break. Uh film you encouraged me to to watch after you saw it in cinema and I hadn't managed to um my chris nolan one film boycott is ongoing uh after tenet so i have not seen oppenheimer so this is not a barbenheimer uh postulation but i have a question for you after seeing barbie neil what did i
0: miss uh. Wow. um <laughs> that's a that's a very loaded question is it, is question. it me uh, I did I say that I thought you wouldn't like it or did I predict that? Or- you
1: said I would mm. uh that it was actually a dark horse for one of my mm. one of my favorite movies of the year. Um Okay. Many people uh, yeah. did. My my own brother, Cinephile, like you, said, you know, Barbie over Oppenheimer all day. Um yeah. everyone was I raving summer. about it. Marie and I are watching it and we turned to each other twenty minutes in, mm. and I was like, Is this a musical? What's going on here?
0: What is it? Yeah, it is a bit. It is a bit of a musical. I think, yeah. hmm, Okay. What did I miss? So, do you watch the whole thing?
1: Yeah, Yeah. watch the whole thing and, like, yes, entertaining, but, Hmm. Hmm. I don't know, I thought a lot of it was on the nose. I get the points they're making. I felt like, you know how you feel in... um, What's that movie where you feel talked down to? Uh, the big short, you feel talked... Another yeah. Margot Robbie appearance where you felt talked down to. I love the big short, but um, mm. I felt a bit like, okay, I get the point. And then I was just kind of in it for the Will Ferrell character, who I thought mm. was hilarious as usual. I thought America Ferrara did a great job. I didn't really need Ryan Gosling singing again for like 20 minutes towards the end of the film. I, I like the concept, I respect Mm. Greta, Greta Gerwig, the director Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who wrote it with her husband, Noah Baumbach, favorite in our household and on this podcast.
0: Mm. I just, (laughs) I'm not going to watch it again. I've watched it twice, actually. Yeah, Yeah, or I I watched it again over Christmas. Um, But I, okay, I will say that it was slightly worse the second time around mm. because a lot of the enjoyment for me was the magic of under or low expectations, basically, where Mm. I went in thinking, seriously, like, how can this be any good? And it blew my it blew my expectations away in that sense because it actually has a lot to say. It's really well made and makes some new points in a very good way. Mm. And some of it is a little on the nose, especially the last third of the film, I would say. Right. It starts to go, it goes from, like, point satire to just, like, kind of blunt, bow, 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 like, in, in your face, kind of, less satire, more kind of didactic, you know. Uh, yeah. But even that aside... I think it has an unbelievably strong first half, which kind of just, it, it challenges your own expectations of what a movie like Barbie can really be, I thought. it, it It's not a kid's movie, for sure. So, like, I am I think it, that was its only kind of big mistake, I guess, was that it was marketed as, like, a everyone-come-see-it movie, but actually an eight-year-old who went to see it would walk out being like, this was one of the worst movies, I and I had no enjoyment of it whatsoever. Because it just has, it basically just wants to talk politics for for two hours, you know, right, or, or like gen, like gender. It's a studies bit Adam
1: mckay-ish like. in that sense, but like maybe yeah. more more playful and more fun. um
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like it just strikes a good balance between it. It has a mission. It wants, it wants to talk about certain things, and it does so in a pretty cool way. I did think some of the points were quite edged, like like edgy in a good way, like. Uh, there's a skewering of masculinity there, which I think is well handled yeah. and and, and it, needed. It's like, yeah, and it, it it doesn't drift into just like men are crap. It's like no, just this behavior is crap, right. and like we need men to kind of be more aware of it without turning into like you're bad and you should feel bad. You know, I thought it was nuanced in that sense, which is good. Now, the the only other thing I can say that might yeah might might take points away from Barbie is that I saw uh, poor things last weekend. Mm. Lorgos Landmoss newest without a stone and uh, actually it's it's like the Barbie but actually a little bit better I'd say A little bit more of like
1: um, a movie for adults
0: A bit more well certainly more for adults Jesus mm. uh, I don't know if you've seen it but uh, yeah do not bring any kids to that movie but um, that aside it, it has similar points to make but some of them it makes with a lot more subtlety and a lot more nuance, a lot more depth actually, has has more to say and it challenges us more as an audience I think. So unfortunately, I think Barbie will suffer a bit, it's better, it has suffered in the Oscar nominations to be already yeah. so, but it will suffer in the test of time also because it'll be placed next to things like Poor Things, which I think will go down as a classic, like a modern classic wow. and yeah, it 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 doesn't hold a candle to it unfortunately. But Still, I think it was great. Maybe I over I, I it a little bit. Maybe that was due to, I think for most of 2023, there wasn't much else to talk about, was there? No. Like movie was Not
1: after we had, yeah. we had like last year's Oscar season and then afterwards, like the summer yeah. was, well, the summer was carried, right? By Barbenheimer, uh, if you will.
0: That was it? Yeah. I mean, and if you look at the nominations as well, I haven't watched much of them, like Anatomy of a Fall or all these other ones. And I don't know if I will. I no. don't, I'm not overly enthused about them, No, but, um, not like last yeah.
1: year. Um, so yeah, there you have it, Barbie. That was my take on it. Um, last thing, it's, you know, at the time of release, almost to the date, 10 years since Philip Seymour Hoffman's passing. Um, so just thought we would, we would pour some out for a couple minutes as he's, he's one of the patron saints of this podcast. Absolutely. What's your favorite favorite performance of his my favorite performance is actually it's one of his early character roles, uh, a bit more in the background of the film, but when he comes on, he just lights up the place, and that's uh talented Mr. Ripley, his character, in that just lights out. Need to watch it, Oh yeah, definitely. and he like and this is a movie keep in mind with uh Gwyneth, with Matt Damon, with Kate Blanchett. And mm. the moment he comes on screen about halfway through in just such an unlikable, lewd, vulgar character, and you're just like, what an actor. Unbelievable.
0: Do you know what one of my favorite performances of his is? Are his scenes in Charlie Wilson's <laughs> <Yes>. movie. <laughs> Harvey and, Wilson. I haven't seen, and I haven't seen the film and I won't ever see it. I'm just going to watch his scenes from it on YouTube because that's all I need. He's considered uh, those, one of
1: the ultimate like YouTube highlight reels.
0: Yeah, yeah but that's all you like you don't even need to watch whatever movie he's in because when he's off screen you're only thinking okay when's he gonna yeah. come back you know so i'm happy to just every now and then every few months i go back and watch the uh you know you know the scene yeah, yeah, uh, I, know. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I know the scene i love uh, it i encourage all listeners just type in philip seymour hoffman charlie wilson's war on youtube and you're, you're in for a absolutely. treat and um we rewatched uh moneyball this past weekend by the way mm. film that has aged incredibly well uh mm. great script and he's in that as well as as the manager and he doesn't say much but when he's on the screen he he really owns it and you feel his presence um mm. so really a PSH, uh psh goat we really lost what i think would have was on his way to becoming one of the best actors of his generation
0: if not yeah i mean if not already i think right. um he was he could have just become that you know stop-winning-all-the-Oscars kind of guy where he just would have done it time after time, you know? Yeah. But, um, alas, Uh, I'll never know.
1: Alas. Well, Neil, on that grim note, we're going to say goodbye to these listeners after some parting shots from
0: you. Absolutely. I think I'm going to just jump on the film corner bandwagon and, again, give a shout-out to Poor Things. Everybody should go watch that. That's uh, absolutely amazing. Um, Other than that... I, I mentioned Soulburn, but I still think people should watch that if they haven't. that's still, uh, well, worth a watching. a lot of
1: mixed uh, press about it, huh?
0: Yeah, but that's that's part of art. Like it, it needs yeah. to uh, make you feel something, you know. But let it challenge you. Let it uh, trigger some discussion in your household. You know, Go along with the, the ride. Of... Exactly. Let's let's like get away from this reality TV, people talking at each other. You know, thing. Like let's let's watch some media that actually you know gets us thinking. Is that really so much to ask? That's my parting shots, really. And um, yeah, other than that, stay happy and safe, everybody. Stay healthy. And uh, we'll see you next time.
1: We'll see you next time, listeners. Keep postulating.